0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Richard Dolan with us as we talk about the UFOs, crash retrievals, and special documents. We'll take your calls this hour as well. Richard, there was a case that the late James Mars used to talk about, Jim Mars, about a body in Texas of an alien that was buried and moved. Do you remember that story?
1: Yeah. Um, that relates to the incident from 1897 in Aurora, Texas. And it was something that uh, Jim got into. He actually developed a really strong interest. He didn't live far from there. He was in Texas his whole life. And uh, what basically is said to have happened, during 1897 there was a, a wave of what we would now call UFO sightings, airships, mystery airships. And, you know, we actually don't really have a clear idea of what those were, but in the case with Aurora, there was uh, the claim that one of these had crashed, had hit um, a structure I'm thinking windmills, I can't remember what it was, and the Martian, as it was described in the newspaper account, actually was, was killed. And, and so it was said that it was buried in town, and by the early 1970s, uh, there were some investigators, I think with MUFON in the area there, that actually believed they'd located the uh, the grave.
0: The grave. It was a great story. Italian.
1: Yeah, and this is even before Jim got involved in it, and supposedly, and I, I think I'm getting this right, but I may get one or two details wrong, when they went back to exhume this, the, the grave had been emptied out, and oh, there was wow. nothing there. And Jim, uh, in later years, I think um, in the 21st century, did his own uh, assessment of the case. And I can't remember if he got anything new out of there, but I know he was definitely interested in the Aurora, Texas, UFO event of 1897.
0: One of the great stories I'll always remember, and I'm sure you know about this one, is the case of then-President Richard Nixon taking actor-comedian Jackie Gleason down to Homestead, Florida the Air Force Base there, showing him an extraterrestrial that they had in a jar or something like that. And apparently, Jackie uh, Gleason was never the same. What what was that story, Richard?
1: I go back and forth on that one. For a long time, I said that's absolutely true. There was a, a an alleged manuscript I've never read, I have to just say, by Gleason's ex-wife, Beverly McKittrich, who she was his wife at the time, and apparently she did make this statement that, you know, he came back, told her about Nixon, and just actually drank for a couple of days, really tied one on as a result of that, and said he had seen a short uh, diminutive alien bodies, I think plural, that were in glass cases. Not not in jars, as I recall, but lying down in like a glass case. Uh, I don't necessarily disbelieve it, but there, there are... Um,
0: some inconsistencies
1: inconsistencies about it. yeah there's there's not enough information for me to say absolutely I think it's true but it is it is a fact that Gleason and Nixon were close friends. It is also a fact that they did a photo op uh, event uh, doing golf at that time uh, very close to the uh, to the air base and it is actually very well known. Jackie Gleason was a UFO expert. He had a massive library of uh, UFO-related books, got into debates with Air Force, uh, with skeptics, and usually won those debates, from what I heard. Gleason was incredibly knowledgeable about this. And so what you have to recognize is there's no way that Gleason and Nixon did not have some serious conversations about flying saucers and UFOs like no they did
0: what a great story that that could be I
1: tend to believe yeah I believe it probably happened just not a hundred percent
0: the to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences that was formed in 2017 by uh, Tom DeLonge the rock star what do you think of that organization I mean they did seem to be the ones to get the tic-tac UFO story out to the public
1: yeah they sure did they, they have done things that no researcher, no organization has ever been able to do. And I'm just always amazed at the venom that I often hear directed at this organization. I heard so many times, they're a CIA op. And I just think, actually just listen to what they're saying and what they're doing. And uh, they have actually moved this ball forward farther down the field than anyone that I know of. So the uh, the three videos that they got, that was really Lou Elizondo who made that happen, from what I understand. And that was a real score. That, that could easily not have happened. That's right. He made it happen and was able to release that. And eventually the Navy released their own version of that, but it was exactly the same, but it's all Elizondo. And, you know, they have their own approach to this. They're really not trying to talk to public, at least it doesn't seem like that to me, or even too many other researchers. They they are trying to get political movement on this in their own way. And I don't see them as a disclosure organization per se, but they are definitely, you know, Chris Mellon, I mean, you can read some of his statements on the TTSA website. They're really quite remarkable.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: And, you know, a lot of the things that he's been recommending are now in that Senate intelligence bill that we talked about earlier. So I think, yes, this is actually where we are now in 2020 compared with where we were three years ago before they had seen.
0: What did you think of the theories of the late Zachariah Sitchin, Richard? That we were seeded by the Anunnaki. He was pretty compelled that it was was true.
1: Yes. Um, What I actually have come to... I've really started to, to revisit the idea of ancient seeding. And it's not that I... Um, you know, I, I can't pretend that I... know. I mean, I wasn't there, and I'm just looking at the best evidence that I can. But um, Sitchin, I go back and forth on. I'm, I'm actually somewhat uh, hesitant about him. But I do know that in our... Um, our development. There's a friend of mine who actually died many, many years ago. She was a scholar here in Rochester, New York, where I live. Her name was Colleen Clements. And she looked into this theory of ancient feeding of humanity, and I think she did a pretty good job pointing out that there's a particular, uh, something known as a, an allele in our microencephalon gene, which regulates brain growth, brain development. And that this allele has been proven to be only maybe roughly 40,000 years old, maybe a little longer, older, a little less. And it coincides with the development of tremendous human creativity and all that. Well, the thing is that geneticists have determined this allele could only have been introduced externally, that is through interbreeding. And so when you look at what are the candidates, there's Neanderthal, and that's about it. But was it the Neanderthal? What geneticists have they have not been able to find that that allele in the Neanderthal DNA. And we have Neanderthal DNA. We've been able to study it for years and it's just not there. So the question is, where did it come from? That's right. If it definitely came from an external source, well, Colleen's theory was that it, it may, may very well have come from extraterrestrial. And if that's so, we were seeded. We were a project. I think it's an interesting theory and it can't be proven yet, but it is a fact that the Neanderthals are not known to have had that allele in their gene. And we have it, and we don't know who's the daddy.
0: And could those who seeded us, could they be some of the ones that are coming back on a regular basis, monitoring us, just checking in?
1: In the years, years past, I would have been very hesitant and uncomfortable to try to speculate along these lines. But I, I mean, I try to be very factually based in what I say about this subject, but I do think it's fair to speculate as long as you're clear about it, and, and I think, yes, we probably had been monitored for a very long time, but I think probably for most of our history at a very low level in the sense that humanity just wasn't that interesting for a long, long time. We were operating at a very low level. But in the last couple of centuries, and in the last one century especially, we have kicked it up, and we are, we've, we've revolutionized our entire civilization, and, and indeed, our whole species. So I think now we're very, very interesting, and I think that does coincide with a dramatic uptick in UFO sightings and encounters of all types. So I think that we, we're getting the attention, very probably, of multiple groups are able to observe us and that find us quite interesting.
0: You have talked about the fourth stage of humanity. What do you mean by
1: that, Richard? Yeah, this is something I've been really mulling over recently. So when I look at the long, long course of human history, I mean, we have lived as a species in this form, as far as anyone can tell, for about 200,000, maybe maybe a little bit more than 200,000 years. And in all of that history, I would argue that we have actually had exactly three fundamental modes of existence, only three. And for most of those 200,000 years, it's been hunting and gathering. You know, that's how human beings, that's how we, our bodies are designed, that's what we've done. We hunt and we have gathered. And only about 10,000 years ago did we start something radically new, our second stage of existence, which was agriculture and farming and raising uh, you know livestock and forming the first cities and all of that that's there's a tremendous continuity of that yes a lot of variety but tremendous continuity then all oh, about 300 years ago we started what we would call our third stage of history which we can call science and industry and that's a radical transformation of the human condition and human situation and I believe that we are now in the transition at this moment into the fourth stage of humanity. And I don't really know if I have the best name for it, but I right now I'm just calling it the transhumanist stage. But it involves much more than just biological changes, although it does. But it involves in the near term something much more dramatic, frankly, which is a completely new type of infrastructure, which is revolutionizing our entire civilization. So we're gonna have universal five G, which means twenty four seven surveillance, which means complete tracking of every single person, total control through whether it's social media or digital footprint, and it means so many other things that are going in with the smart devices that will just ultimately monitor us twenty all the time. On top of which what some economists are calling the robo-pocalypse, Apocalypse—that is, Terminators coming not to kill you, but just to take your job. And we are essentially economically in a game of musical chairs where someone keeps taking the chairs out, but you still have the same number of people. And the chairs that remain are not all fun to sit in either. So we're moving to a society where people are going to be much more dependent. This is why you've got folks talking about universal basic income, because the recognition is there's just not going to be jobs and opportunity. We're moving into a highly bureaucratized, control, sanitized, in my opinion, kind of world. And that is moving us to this, what I call this transhumanist sports stage. And and it does involve biological changes as well, all of it. And, you know, we can't see it happen because we're living in it. And, you know, today feels like yesterday and tomorrow looks kind of like today, but, When you take a few steps back, you can see this is a dramatic transformation of the very foundation of what it means to be a human being. And I can't think that it's simply a coincidence that we're hitting this just as we're moving Full speed ahead on the UFO matter as well. I don't think that that is a coincidence.
0: Yeah, it's really moving. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.